from across the globe, from the centre of aerospace, and now to you. Thank you for downloading the Aero Society podcast from the Royal Aeronautical Society. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm John Robertson, Vice Chair of the General Aviation Group, and welcome to you all. Um, I'll introduce our speaker in just a moment, but I have the pleasant uh, duty of giving you all the uh, preliminary housekeeping items. Uh, no test fire alarms tonight, so if you hear the fire alarm go off, either leave through doors at the front or at the back, and the assembly point is at the end of Hamilton Place by, the, by Park Lane. Um, please don't leave unmarked bags around so that uh, no one ends up uh, concerned and calling the authorities. Uh, no smoking in the building. Mobile phones, please switch off. And we would rather you didn't uh, try and record anything because the society is making its own record. We. This is the Anne Welsh Memorial Lecture. Anne Welsh was a, at one stage, a, well, she's well known as a, very well known um, for her services in the gliding community. She was chairman of this group at one stage for quite a few years. And the other characteristic of her legacy is that she was always very keen on supporting uh, young people coming into aviation. So it's particularly appropriate that uh, we have a lecture with this title uh, today in her memory. And uh, so it's our pleasure to welcome Steve Prozerkis uh, to talk to us about what is happening with young people coming up into the gliding area. Um, I've got one or two biographical details, but I'm not going to sp uh, spend a lot of time. Apparently, he's third-generation glider pilot his uh, grandfather being a glider pipe bef pilot before him, and he's been very active in the BGA youth movement. So without further introduction, I'll just invite Steve if he'd come up and give his presentation. Oh, good evening. Thank you very much for coming along this evening. Uh, I appreciate it. It's seriously hot in London tonight, so uh, um, anyone who's taken on the tube and got uh, with all that is, uh, oh, thank you very much. Do appreciate it. Um, it's really, I've, 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 my father used to, it's sadly not my grandfather, it was my father um, who uh, um, got me into flying. Um, he used to talk about Anne Welch a lot, and I heard a lot about what she did. And when I got asked by Pete Stratton um, to do this talk, um, it's an absolute, it was a well, no-brainer for us to come and have a talk. We've worked really hard with the junior gliding scene in the UK. Um, and I hope this evening, short presentation will um, enlighten you to how what we've found that's worked um, and what we see the future for junior gliding is and how we can encourage young people to stay in, or get them into the sport, stay in the sport, and then encourage further juniors in further on. Um, a little bit about me, I was, um, my parents met at the gliding club, I never had a chance, I was always going to be a glider pilot. Um, I, uh, I went solo when I was 16, I've been flying competitions since I was 18. Um, I wanted to be an airline pilot, but 
when that decision came along, I, uh, it was the middle of a recession and uh, there were no airline pilot jobs going, so I went down, became a chartered surveyor. But it means I thought, well, at least I can try and earn enough money to keep my flying going, so, uh, and that's where I find myself now. Um, so anyway, I'll uh, get on with this presentation. How does this work? There we go. Right, um, here's what we'll be talking about. So to start with, I'll do a very brief introduction to what gliding is. For those of you who think we are just those little white things that float around underneath clouds and get in the way and don't talk to ATC, you're about right. Um, so I'll, I'll have a, just a brief introduction to that. Then what junior gliding is, um, what happened, why it went not wrong, but it went through a bit of a plateau, what we did to fix it, and, what we've got, and then the future. And then I've got it'll be a short presentation by, for, I'll call a case study, Brian Burleson has kindly agreed to just talk about what gliding meant for him and has kind of how it's created his career. Um, so it's, uh, it's not just a matter of us going and sitting in our little cockpits and going off flying for six hours. There's a whole lot more to gliding. And that's what we're trying to encourage young people to see, that it's not just going flying. There's a social side, there's a work side, there's a career to it, um, and a lot of fun. So here we go. So, the stats behind gliding. As we're all aware in avia general aviation, it's pretty inclusive across the board. From We have solo pilots now at 14. Um, that's recently changed. It's one of the positives of EASA, um, that we've uh, got now 14-year-olds can go solo. And my father was still flying competitions in, well into his 80s and beating me, unfortunately. Um, so, it's a, a great sport for uh, for in inclusivity. And it's the same men versus women. We have some of the top pilots in this country um, who are actually representing us as we very speak over in the Czech Republic are women pilots. Um, and same with disability. I, I believe there's a, a German pilot in the last Europeans who got a medal. Um, he's in a wheelchair and he competed against able-bodied pilots. There's no, there's no disability up in the sky. So it's, uh, that's why I always try and push that gliding isn't just about middle-class white people going flying, the white men going flying, there is a, it's a, opened up to a whole, everyone's them included. Also, it's a low cost of it. We um, have, one of the positives we found with gliding, especially getting the young people in, which I'll talk about later, um, using it as a career, is that people can't afford to spend £150 an hour in a, flying a PA28 round. However, they might be able to afford the gliding side of things, using those hours to put towards an MPPL and moving on. So we've found that's been a really great start to getting um, young people in. Um, and with regard to what you can do with gliding, you can be just as happy floating around, someone might be happy just floating around the local airfield every Wednesday evening, all the way up to flying a world championships in Australia. Um, and speaking of world championships, we're, there's one going on at the moment over in the Czech Republic for the, uh, the women's team. Um, we've recently um, won the world championships, uh, Russell Cheetham won this winter, um, and uh, Tom R. Scott is junior world champion. He won the last junior world championships that was in Australia a year and a half ago. So we're doing pretty well at this um, as, a, as a nation. BJ at the moment, I believe we've got 7,000 pilots in the country at the moment, um, and they're based around about 80, 80 BGA clubs across the United Kingdom. Um, and so it's, uh, there's quite a widespread. So a few stats behind what gliders can actually do. Now, I have to admit that I didn't put this slide together. My far better superior pilot friend put this one together, and I can never get near these speeds. But um, gliders, we can go pretty quickly, um, and 
on a task of maybe three to 500 kilometers, or well, he reckons he can do 140 kilometers per hour average. I'm not quite as quick as that, but um, so we, we're a hell of a lot quicker than a lot of people um, can expect from uh, a power, uh, unpowered aircraft. So, uh, um, and some of the speeds and the records that people are doing at the moment, um, uh, up in the, and in the Andes, etc., in uh, wave flying, the distances they fly is just, well, 3,000 kilometres, I think, is a record at the moment in one flight. So it's pretty incredible. So how do we actually do this? this uh, gliding, it's, uh, it's all very well saying that we can go at places, but how do we actually do it? We've got three sets of, three ways of managing to stay airborne. The main one in this country is thermal. Um, in the summer, we've all seen the white puffy cumulus clouds out there today. I know I've been looking out my office window thinking I wish I was under them. Um, then we've got ridge, which is what it says on the tin, flying using ridge lift. And then finally, we've got wave lift which I, sti I still don't understand. Despite 1,000 hours of gliding, I still don't really understand wave. So the thermals, we've, that's pretty much a photo of today, actually. Um, this is how they start. We, um, we're basically relying on the sun to heat the ground up. That ground heats and heats and heats until a bubble of warm air rises, and that creates a thermal, which we circle around in, and as it condenses, it creates that, the white puffy cumulus clouds, and we climb as high as we can there before we move on to the next one. Um, the trick is, and we can all learn that quite easily, um, how to thermal, but it's actually where they're coming from. Um, we look for sources on the ground. So to start, we have to guess where, where, we, where we're getting that. Where's this thermal coming from? Is it a road, or is it a town, or is it a, a dark field against a cold lake or something? We're looking for temperature differentials, maybe. So and once, once we've identified that, we can go to it, hopefully there's a thermal there, um, and as that rising air um, cools, it turns into a cloud, climb to the top, and then we have to guess where the next um, cloud thermal is going to be. And so, and then the, the pattern goes on. The best pilots are the ones that don't have to guess as much as people like me. Moving on to Ridge, um, you'll notice that wonderful glider at the front of the picture, that's Sadly, not me in it, but at least it's my little, my little toy. Um, ridge lift, it relies on the wind hitting a hill, and um, we kind of, the closer you are to that ridge, the uh, more fun it is, but the better the lift is. So um, within reason, it's a, um, a, a, a fantastically fun way of flying, um, and uh, yes, it's uh, not much more to say about that, really. We don't have the huge ridges that you might have in America, or et cetera, or the, um, the big mountains, but... And we have the South Downs and various smaller mountain ranges, which are, which are good fun. And finally, Wave. Um, it, I think it's the most spectacular form of flying. Um, I don't... The, the basics of it are the wind hits the mountain, and then above that, the, the air starts waving, and the up bits go up, and the down bits come down in a big way. And they create some beautiful photos, and they, it's a stunning way to fly. But learning it is a very different matter to what I learned down in, the, in, the, in, in England. It's a more of a Scottish and Welsh thing with the mountains. So, um, but that's how, we, that's how we stay airborne. For those of you who haven't um, done much gliding or um, who just, uh, we are those annoying little white things that you can't see. So what do we do with that? We go cross-country, or at least we try to at least. Um, so here's a pretty standard flight that I would do from my home club down at Lasham in Hampshire. 
Um, it's about 300 kilometres. We'd head off up to Gloucester, across to Northampton and back down. Um, that's 300 kilometres, and that might take two and a half to three and a half hours on a good day in this country. Um, you can see the, the blue line is actually the track that the glider took, so we can't just go in a straight line. When ATC asks us to do something, it's usually uh, we'd like to, but we're stuck or something. So uh, you can see the different... We have to go where the lift is. So, um, you know, we've got, gone all the way around Bryce Norton, we've seen there in that... Um, so I'll try and stay away from the airspace as best as possible. So with that cross-country, then move on to how we compete. And this is what I, I, I live for competing in gliders. I love the racing element of it. Um, but people often ask, well, how do you actually compete in a glider? Is it the longest person who stays up or the furthest? It could be any of those, depending on what competition you're in. But the basic format is, is that we'll have a competition of nine days long. That competition, each day, a task will be set at the briefing, which is usually about 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll then all grid all the gliders, which might be up to 50-odd gliders in one um, time, and they'll be launched, um, and they've got to be launched within an hour. Once they're all launched... Start gate is open, and the task that's been set, which would look very similar to that task I showed you earlier, and we get, we, um, we get around as quick as we can. The fastest person around that task wins the day, and it's as simple as that. Now, there are aerobatic competitions, and there, um, we, in junior gliding, we've tried to help build a competitive um, attitude with people, even if they can't go cross-country. Maybe we try and say, well, who can stay up the longest, or who can get the highest on a in a winter's day where it may not be possible to go cross-country. So there are ways of uh, competing other than just uh, um, racing around tasks. So uh, anyway, there's a very quick basis of what gliding is um, and uh, how we, how we um, do it. So we move on to junior gliding itself. So junior gliding was, um, well... People like Anne Welch and the people who set up the BGA have always been encouraging young people into the sport succession to keep it going. Um, but the Junior Nationals, which was the real start of where gliding came, for junior gliding came from, was founded in 1988 by um, a few um, pilots who got together and they really worked out what is needed. And they decided to set up a competition, a nine-day-long competition, for under-26-year-old pilots. Um, and that would be towards the end of August, so the fields were easy to land in if they couldn't make it round, there's no crops around, um, and they'd had the whole summer to practice to make sure they were as good as they could. Um, and so that's where junior gliding started, and since then, we've, again, been pretty good at it. Um, I believe we've had four world championships and numerous um, medals at world championship events, which are held every two years um, um, all around the world. Um, and we have a current world champion in uh, Tom Arscott, who has just who won in Australia, um, I previously said. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, the, the, that's the background to junior gliding. Um, I started in the juniors in 2006, was my first competition. Um, and it was sort of the end of a bit of an era. Um, it just started to... The, it, it was always oversubscribed when I first started. But as I started to get towards three, four years in... Maybe it was me, I'm not sure. But um, the number of pilots started dropping off. And by 2010, we realised there was something... It, it, things just weren't working right. So uh, we had a few problems. First of all was a low turnout. My final junior nationals that I flew in 2011 um, 
we only had 15 people on the grid by the end of it. Um, and part of gliding is the social side of it and you know, being with your friends afterwards and telling you how you got that six knot climb off Digcot to get you away from 200 feet or whatever it may be. Um, and so when there's only 15 people and you know, it, just, it just wasn't working, there wasn't that buzz around the, the sport anymore. And if we put that down to a lack of leadership, possibly, there was, we'd, a, a whole group of juniors had gone through and they had left a, a gap and there was no one to, for us juniors to look up to. Um, so th they were sort of drifting and there were different cliques around of friends from different clubs who wouldn't really integrate. So again, it, was a, it wasn't a, a fun environment. Everyone got in, involved, whether they were the top pilot or the bottom pilot. It was a, everyone stayed in their clique. So it was a, just needed, we realised there was something needed to be done. Um, the social scene, as I said, it's gliding, it's not just about the flying, it's about being with your friends and sharing those memories and some of the most stunning scenery that anybody can get to enjoy in this country. Um, and the social scene, it, again, it had dropped off slightly and friends weren't, were, weren't really seeing each other. They'd have a one-week competition a year and then 11 and a half year, months later they'd have the next junior competition and they hadn't seen each other for those 11 and people drifted off. Um, we lost people to other sports. You can't just chuck two jumpers down and stick a football through gliding. Um, it's it's a, an expensive sport, and there are other sports that are, are shortening all the time, whether it be um, 2020 cricket compared to test match, or whether it be nine-hole golf versus 18-hole. People want something extra from their sport that's quick, and so we, we realised that we needed to make it more inclusive for young people. And there was a time of money issue. Um, I said the recession was hitting in 2008, 2009, People's parents were able to help them, the young people flying so much. So we found that that was another issue that we had to address. It was like, how are we going to get, make it cheaper for these young people to keep them in the sport? So to start with, we created the brand and our little orange tick down at the bottom of the screen there. Um, that was the basis. We were going to create the Junior Gliding brand and that brand would be the basis for the rest of junior gliding, we, everyone would associate that little orange tick with junior gliding. Um, from that, um, I've sat in me meetings with Pete, who's, uh, Pete Stratton and various other BGA members about what we're going to do, and we decided creating a, a web presence was important. At, to start with, there was no, nowhere for juniors to get any information from. There was uh, just the BGA website, which did, the great, did a great job for what it was doing, but it wasn't targeted at young people and just a boring website, why would you go to it? So we decided we need we needed, um, social media, etc. I'll go into a little bit later. Um, rebuilding the image. As I said, one of the issues was that you know, clubs didn't want to hold junior-rated competitions because well, 15 people turn up. What's the, what's the point in giving our airfield up for 15 people? There's more money to be made from using our airfield for something else. So we needed to rebuild the image that juniors weren't just a 15 young kids that were coming along. There was, it was a whole brand that would come along with the money that came with it and the, and the kudos for the clubs. Um, we needed to make new events as well. The 11 and a half month gap really got to me. I enjoyed myself um, flying and at, these, at the junior nationals I realised something needed to be done about getting young people together more often. And so we wanted to create a buzz, make people miss, that they see that their friends have all gone and flown a competition or gone to an event we wanted them to go, oh, I wish I missed, I missed that, why? Whereas that hadn't been there. Um, so once we, we've, uh, we created the Junior Gliding website, which 
the BGA branding is at the top there, which does what it says on the tin. And then underneath that, we've got the Junior Gliding brand, branding. And this is just a, I can't scroll through it, but it's got links to um, various other um, social media platforms and um, internet-based uh, for research or whatever it may be. Um, and we were one of the first air sports to use Facebook, which we have found is probably the single most important thing that we could have used to get our sport or our junior gliding back on its feet. Um, this Facebook page has allowed us to contact any junior at any time of day, anywhere in the world if we need to. Um, any of events we can post instantly at a click of a button, um, videos or messages, and this has tied it all in together because we found that people weren't wanting to go to websites necessarily because um, it involved typing in a website, whereas a Facebook, it's, got, it's an app. Click on it and we don't have to click on it. People's notifications come up, we send a message out, and there it is on their phone telling them that there's a new bursary from the Royal Aeronautical Society, for instance. Um, or there's a fantastic talk going on, maybe. Um, so, uh, or not. Um, so, Facebook has been the... If you ask me what's the single most important thing, Facebook has pulled everything we've tried to do together, um, and that has linked to the website. If we've had something, like, uh, been a, um, a form that's needed to be filled in for a, a bursary or something. So, that's been really important. I think it's quite fitting that we've got one of our most successful former juniors as our our photo at the moment. Um, it's not come out very well, but that's a guy called Mike Young who's now a BA captain and then flying in the Alps um, with a big rain shower behind him. That should show. But uh, yeah, Facebook has been fantastic for us. Um, from that, we also decided that we, we needed to show off how cool gliding could be as well. It isn't just a freezing cold airfield. with a, um, It's so much more cool than that. So we decided to create a YouTube channel. And We've put together a number of videos, and there's a link at the end if you want to see them, um, of various events that we've done. And the, um, we've had juniors making videos that are about them flying their own gliders. In, and it, it's, well, we've had numerous people start gliding just from seeing those videos. So that's worked well. And again, Facebook has really helped. So um, we then needed what we're going to do about events. Because it's great having this web presence, but we need to get people actually flying. And the Winter Series was, has, been our, has been a fantastic event. So I've got a little video that the juniors have actually offered to put together for me. I told them I was doing this talk, and they said, we'll make a video. So they've, they've made a couple of videos, and this one's the first one. Um, so I will, my, I'm rubbish at technology, but they said press escape. Um, Junior gliding, I guess it's basically a bunch of mates you want to have a really, really good time. I started flying the juniors myself and it was a fantastic kind of start to my flying career. And the difference is really just the atmosphere. It's such a more light-hearted atmosphere, just out here to have a bit of a giggle, a bit of fun. So the main difference between juniors uh, and non-juniors is that we're, we're the future of gliding. Uh, and I think it's, a, it's a definitely a worthy investment. 
into young people, mainly because in 20 years' time, with the junior gliding movement, is now bringing up the, the instructors, the CFIs of the future. It is really important to, you know, foster the interest of um, younger juniors to gliding because it is mainly dominated a lot by, you know, the older generations. And so I think to maintain gliding as a sport for the future, you know, we need young people to be the next CFIs, the new champions and things like that. We all started going a little bit quiet in 2010 and we realised that we needed to do something a bit more than just um, kind of the, the, the status quo. So we, uh, we, Matt Davis, Charlie Jordan, and myself came up with the idea of the winter series, and it was to encourage people to not just fly that one week in the in August, but um, to come and keep flying in the winter, um, and keep them uh, keep you ticking over, learn new sights, learn new types of flying, wave ridge, and bring the social in as well. So. Uh, so the Winter Series is essentially a way for us group of juniors, of which any kind, any kind of time there could be maybe a hundred of us turning up at clubs, um, way of keeping in touch over the winter and sort of doing a bit of flying. Um, for those of you who are from sort of flatland sites such as your Lashams and your Grandsons, then you can come to ridge sites and wave sites and see a bit of that and see what goes on there. So the Winter Series, like we're doing now, is really just to keep us flying through the winter because over the winter time it can get a bit boring just doing circuits and site checks. And launch failures so it's quite fun just to have the atmosphere again um, and hopefully a good bit of soaring if we get to a ridge site or a bit of wave just to make it more interesting really just keep everyone enthused throughout the winter. It's a lot of fun and for me personally it's really boosted my confidence in gliding you know I've flown at places that I'd never even thought of going and in gliders that you know I've never even seen before and met loads of great people. So. I think we've got like 10 two-seaters here. Yeah it's 10 two-seaters I mean, they're all off today you can see them all, all Getting in the air, um, yeah. flying the world champions. Yeah, world champions Steve in the cockpit. Steve Jones and Andy Davis is not here today. Um, yesterday. Yeah. So there's a there's a good good level of um, knowledge that we can get passed down, which is worth its weight, really. The future is hopefully we can start competing across standard and club class. Um, we're going to keep keep helping, keep pushing. Um, best we can do. You can see the amount of people on the grid today. This is just a weekend in Nymphsville, and it's bigger than some regional competitions already. So yeah, that, the uh, winter series, um, that was filmed back in April and what we try to do is we've tried to film the winter without going nuts with it. It would be very easy to go, oh, we'll have something every weekend, but we realise that um, we've got to be reasonable and um, care about, it costs a lot of time, time and money for people to get to these, um, these um, events. So what the basic of the Winter Series has been is uh, there'll be three rounds per year and we've tried to aim it. Instead of being at a, the large sites with the great facilities, often the, the Lashams and the Husbosses, the flatland sites, we've actually aimed for the sites that are more challenging um, where they can learn, if they've been brought up at one of the larger sites, they can learn ridge and wave flying where they've never seen that before in amongst other friends. They're not having to encourage their own friends to come along. It's all laid out for them. We provide two seaters for them, we provide instructors for them, we 
reduce the cost per minute because a lot of the two-seaters are provided free of charge by um, very kind members of public, uh, members of the BGA who love helping juniors out. So often it's 10p a minute they're paying, if that, um, just and whatever the launch fee would be. Whereas, So it's a fantastically cheap way. And then um, those juniors go along and they have to learn to fly on some quite challenging, you know, there are these fields that, you know, you, you wouldn't even dare land on usually. And then they're actually an airfield. Um, there's one, one airfield we fly out where we have to clear the sheep off before we um, take off in the morning. So it's, that's the sort of uh, change that these uh, juniors are hopefully uh, learning from. And then there's a social in the evening. We are, uh, in the, in this, this winter, we had 110 juniors turn up at this club that usually has about five people on a Saturday evening. Um, they were all fed. We all had a fantastic time. There were, there were games on in the bar. Um, and it's quite difficult to, um, for us as organisers to make sure that the 14-year-olds that come along and the 16-year-olds that come along who aren't drinking and that sort of thing have to be looked after in the same way that the 25-year-old squaddies who are in the Army Gliding Association or something like that who've seen it all in life and you know, they, want, they, they have a way of having a good time as well. So that's been a hard, hard work for us to make sure that everyone's kept happy and safe um, in, a, in a safe and uh, caring environment. We've really tried to break down the cliques in that. It's very easy for, again, one group of people to sit with them and another group to sit there and it become a sort of a different groups, whereas we've really tried to break down any sort of barriers between that and the world champion will be talking to someone who's not been solo and really make them feel included. Um, and that's been really fantastic in the Winter Series. We've done five years of them. Um, the first one, we had 20-odd people up in Sutton Bank in North Yorkshire, um, just near Linton-on-Ouse. Um, and the last one we had, that video there, we had about 70 people there, and we anything now between 70 and 100 people. We're actually a victim of our own success in as much we're running out of airfields that will that can actually take the amount of people that turn up. So it's been fantastic, and um, one, anything that can come from this lecture is that creating the, this event has meant so many more juniors, I think, have stayed on because they've not wanted to miss out on what have been what, 16, 17 rounds now of just some of the best fun I've had. I'm not even a junior at them, so it, it's really great fun. So anyway, moving on from the events, um, the slightly more... Uh, uh, mundane side is the paperwork side and for the clubs themselves so the BGA came up with the idea of junior gliding centres child protection is a huge huge issue um, for clubs um, and you go on the internet and try and find the paperwork behind it and it's, it's, a, it's worrying and clubs are, were scared of you know, what, what, what could happen, there was plenty of information there but what being, um, we created what are called junior gliding centres. And if clubs wanted to, they'd come to the BGA and say, right, I want to be a junior gliding centre. And what, that, what we effectively have done is help them bring together all of the different paperwork, all of the different um, legal side of it, and we've put it on a plate. You have this on your website, you give these to your parents and the kids um, that are coming to fly at your club, you will be fine. Um, and... It's as a point of contact at the BGA that can help with this, and it's become a marker, it's a, an accreditation that the BGA recognise your club as a club that is um, junior friendly. It's, you know, the boxes have been ticked, the CRB checks, etc., whatever they're called now, um, and that's been very, very important. It's all very well us bringing all these young people in, but if they can't be catered for legally and um, 
uh, sort of, uh, morally, then we can't, um, there's no point in doing this job. So um, that's been very important. And we, uh, each year, a few more junior gliding centres um, are brought online, and it's, it's, been, it's been a great success that has. Um, we've also brought in the mentor scheme as well. The mentor scheme, um, especially at the smaller clubs around the country, we were losing juniors from they were they were they were they were only under thirty year old, only forty year old, maybe under fifty year old on that airfield, and they loved the flying, but it just wasn't doing it for them. They they were missing out on events and etc. And they weren't aware of the Facebook page or something. So what we've done is um, we've created a mentor scheme, a regional mentor scheme. Whereas we have maybe a, a current junior, but maybe one of the older ones, or maybe just a former junior. We'll look after the East Anglia or the South West, and if if there's a new bursary that's available, that bursary is then cascaded down to all of the juniors. We have a list of the juniors who fly from that the clubs in that area, so they it's pinpointed. And sometimes you you can lead a horse to water, but at least we're doing our best um, to, and um, it really helps them the juniors to uh, see what's out there, so they're not on their own. Um, so uh, that's what we've uh, um, that's how. We've tried to do the more boring side of things, but it's been very important. Um, another thing we've really pushed is the future flyers and fixers. They're not. We've tried to create the career side of things um, in gliding. It's not just a, a hobby. It's um, it's it's we, it can actually help getting your career. Um, and actually, I didn't realise this, but just before we came in, Freddie, who's sitting on the front row here. He's a glider pilot who I, I coached a couple of times at the Junior Nationals a few years ago, and despite that, he's doing quite well in comp flying now. Um, he has just set up his own drone company, and he's going off to, was it Russia, Saudi Arabia, in the next few months? Um, so what are you, 18, 17? 18, and he's set up his own company doing... It's not being an airline pilot. It's not just a, automatically, I'm going to be an airline pilot, but he's gone and set up a company, seen what aviation can do. Um, so I think that's fantastic, and uh, I wish I'd known that before that, because it's uh, hard to put you in the slide. But, um, so unfortunately, we won't hear the end of this, but Alex Harris, um, he's, a, he's a great lad that's come along through the junior ranks, um, and he didn't know what to do with his life. He's sort of, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, should I go to university, that sort of thing. I said, just go and follow your dreams, do what you want to do. Anyway, Dunstable Gliding Club came up to me and said, I need an instructor for the year. So I said, Alex, here's your job. So put them in contact. Alex now is going off and he's, uh, I think he's at Oxford or CTC or one of the um, training to be an airline pilot. But he went and he instructed, as a full-time instructor at Dunstable for a year. He absolutely loved it. Meanwhile, he got his aerobatic badges and ended up representing the British team at aerobatics at the same time. So um, he's used his gliding to really integrate into his career and helped in his, um, the various interviews he had to go through to get onto his airline pilot training scheme. Um, and it's not just pilots either, or even, it's, uh, this is Lucy, um, she turned up at the Winter Series having, I think it was me or um, Pete who's also on the front row, we talked to her at um, a small club called Edge Hill in um, a village called Shennington in Banbury. She, there were no other juniors at this club really, or very few, and she didn't know anything about junior gliding, so I said come along. So one February, I, came, I went to go and pick her up from a very cold, wet church threaten um, train station, and she was very quiet, and she you know, kept herself to herself. And gradually, she's grown into it, and two or three years later, she's one of my best friends. She's changed from, changed from a career that she wasn't really enjoying, her university of being a doctor, and she's now at Loughborough University doing aeronautical engineering. She's also the youngest um, inspector, glider inspector in the country, um, and all because she... she 
because, well, hopefully that we've helped open her eyes um, to what's available out there. Um, and she's flown in fantastic gliders and had bursaries, etc. And so I hopefully, just a couple of case studies there um, about how two people have used junior gliding to uh, um, further their career, hopefully. So, um, and I took that one stage further. Um, I was, uh, I went to uh, just be the, uh, a representative of the BGA down at the Virgin Atlantic Future Flyers and Fixers event down at Gatwick. And um, I was getting loads of kids coming up to us saying, oh, you know, I want to be a, want to be a pilot, want to be a pilot, etc. How cool is gliding? Anyway, and they clear off because it was more interesting to go and talk to the fast jet pilots, etc. And then the parents would come up and talk to me. And they had all gone grey very quickly because their little Jimmy was having to pay £200 an hour, whatever it was, in their PA28 at Biggin Hill. I said, you do realise that you could go gliding for, it might be £20 membership and they could launch for £5 and then free airtime often at these various junior gliding centres. And after 10 hours, um, after they've got various certificates, they only have to do 10 hours in a um, powered aircraft and they can get their MPPL. Oh, so there's a cost thing in this. So I realised that there was actually more to it than just getting the kids involved, but it's actually the parents who are desperately trying to help their kids get to an aviation career, which is not cheap to get in the air. You know, um, gravity was invented for a reason. We're trying to beat it. So we came up with the idea of iFly. And this was a link with CTC, um, I can't remember their, their latest incarnation, but CTC Aviation. Um, and this, we started this last year, and this invited 10 non-glider pilots to come and join Lasham, and there was a bursary from the Air League of £250 to introduce them to gliding. And these people were under 18, they couldn't start their ATPL, but they were desperate, absolutely desperate to be seen, to make themselves stand out, because... I was finding that every single kid that came to me was the head boy, captain of rugby, D of E, etc., 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 and yet they still couldn't make themselves stand out. So I, we created this, and we had 10, 10 kids come through, and uh, a couple of them have gone solo. Most of them were all uh, pretty much through their gliding career, just, and we'd never have seen them. Have been, and they were really struggling to fund that, um, their flying career. So that's really worked well for us as well, and we're just about to open the next set of... Uh, um, uh, scholarships for the iFly scheme which um, will be um, to be after they've done their exams in July so I've done a, a case study I did a couple of quick case studies earlier I am um, thank um, I wanted to invite a former junior pilot to come and give their um, interpretation of how gliding and junior gliding has helped them um, Brian has very kindly I won't try and say what he does, um, he'll give you a, a rundown of that, but Brian's very kindly come along um, and uh, to uh, tell you a little bit about how junior gliding has helped him, so uh, I'll pass over to Brian for a few minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really pleased that this is a, a photo taken at one of the winter series, uh, and it's in my shared glider, um, but it's got to the point where um, the Winter Series has become something that even as a glider pilot, but no longer a junior, I still get sad when I miss one. So uh, I always try and make sure I've got there. I get an invite if I've got a glider, so it works quite well. Um, I've got working out how this works. I might go backwards. Let's hope not. Um, so just a quick summary about me. Um, I've been flying gliders since I was 13, which is quite a long time now. I've, I've got about 3,500 hours, so you can, you can measure that back. Um, right from the age that I was able to, I started flying the Junior Nationals. Um, it was a real introduction to competition flying. Um, I also come from a club where 
at the time, there was a reasonable amount of cross-country flying, but it was quite hard to step from being a pilot into being a cross-country pilot. Uh, and I went to the uh, junior nationals. Uh, there was a bit of support. People were taking care and explaining what needed to be done. Uh, and uh, there was a, just a group. I was in the group of 50 of us. Um, and with the, the group of 50 of us, we... Um, went off and we tried it, and it became something that um, is now really essential to my flying. Um, I fly, and I fly at a higher level uh, with a far more ambition when I'm flying in a competition and there's something to really drive me, and, uh, you know, it's worked for me. I'm a, I'm a gliding instructor, um, I'm a full category gliding instructor, and when I like to go and support juniors in flying, um, but I really like teaching people, um, I'm an engineering graduate. I went to uh, Cranfield University. Um, and last year, uh, I had a baby, and that meant that I won the 18 meters, which was quite a surprise to me, uh, quite a surprise to the gliding movement. But um, it resulted in uh, qualification for the European Championships, which was going really well with my wife until she found out it's in Basingstoke uh, at Lasham Gliding Club, and she was less enthralled. Um, a bit about me. Um, I've almost always worked in the uh, aviation sector. Um, I started working in aircraft landing gear as an operations type person. Uh, more recently, um, and for about the last 10 years, uh, I work at the defense um, industry. I work for a company called Kinetic. Um, I've done quite a lot of uh, military flight test program, so I'm a program manager, so I run groups of uh, engineers and test pilots, and uh, we report back findings and, and things on flight test programs. Uh, and for the last two years, I've been the program manager at the Empire Test Pilot School, um, which is the UK's um, sovereign test pilot training capability. Uh, and in fact, we, we, we sell that to a lot of overseas clients. Um, so we trained quite a lot of the world's test pilots. Uh, and I was very pleased and, and using some of my knowledge from EASA and training for glide pilots. Uh, we are the first UK test pilot training ATO in the civil environment, which is something that um, was a sort of highlight of that. Um, I've written down two big categories uh, of why gliding has really helped me. And the first one, I think, is pretty obvious. And to be fair, if you were going to be an airline captain, which is probably the, the ideal route, and I started off wanting to be a military fast jet pilot, and then uh, I had an accident, so I couldn't. Uh, and I thought about being an airline pilot, and I'm not the right mental person to do that. I would get bored. So um, with all that in mind, the general sort of top half of this is just things that being a glider pilot does help you do. And gliding is a very, very pure form of aviation. So, you know, in terms of things like being sat there and understanding what controls do, in a glider, there is nothing between the controls in the cockpit and the controls outside. So if you want to know how an aileron works or what gives you aileron drag or any of that, it is there. It's real. So if you're sat there, you know, studying your university degree or you want to take your AP ATPL exams, uh, it is absolute in a glider. You can go and I can show it to you. You can see it. You'll know about it. 
surprisingly, modern gliders, and the one that um, I had on the last slide, gets uh, 50 to 1 glide angle, so 3,000 feet, 50 kilometers. Um, some of that maths gets a bit tricky. So we've got some fairly sophisticated instrumentation in a modern glider. Um, and just understanding some of the workload issues, it's a single pilot when we're racing typically. So you're in a, in a fairly high pressure uh, cockpit, you've got some fairly advanced systems sat there floating around, and uh, some of the workload issues actually become fairly relevant, uh, particularly if you're in a, a thermal with 40 upper gliders. Uh, so you're trying not to, to um, get in anybody else's way. You're trying to manage it to get your competitive advantage up. Um, and when I sit in meetings and people are talking to me, and test pilots do, that's what they do as a job, they go, this is really high workload. I can sit there and think about the past that they're doing. And, and my job is in trying to evaluate whether or not this is something that um, we need to spend more time and effort doing in a career. But... In, in practical sense, it's also something that um, it really helps me to understand what's happening in, in the programs that I run. Um, I think I've said there, uh, I know I've, in gliding, you take your glider apart most days, you know what bits of aircraft structure look like, where the loads go, uh, and again, in the kind of technical conversations that I have on a daily basis, uh, if it's always a benefit to me to sit there and go, do you know, I know fundamentally how this works. I know why the bits of the Chinook sit where they do. Uh, I've, you know, the glider is the same theory. It's just a slightly different manifest manifestation. Um, the bit I've written down, which may be a bit of a surprise to everybody, but actually I think is probably the most important thing and the thing that you can really only get from gliding. And when I sat down and reflected over what it was... Um, I, I thought about where could I have picked this otherwise? What other thing do I do? And apart from my work, which is about assessing uh, risk to delivery, how do I deliver? How do I avoid making mistakes? How do I minimise the amount of spend we've got to do to maximise the advantage, which is risk management? Where do I practise that? And the reality came back. It's in gliding, um, and it's I can't think of enough a sport. I racked my brains. I genuinely cannot think of enough a sport where it's anywhere near, if at all, present. When you're sat in the glider and you're racing, and it's particularly um, prominent in racing, uh, you, you, you're making decisions based almost exclusively on balancing risk. And it, if you're aware of it and you think about it, you're sat there going, and uh, the gaps between clouds, as uh, Steve was showing you, the sort of non-straight path. There are many paths to look at in terms of lift. And you're evaluating the sky and you're saying, do you know what, I can see a big gap and a long way to glide. In the distance in that direction is a really nice looking thing where I expect there's going to be a super thermal. I think I can get there. And you look in the other way and it's not quite as nice, but there's lots of little clouds. And then enough a couple and maybe a half reasonable one and then something else. And you're sat there taking a risk call. It is real-time risk. You sit there and go, if I go left, I might win. I might be sat in a field. If I go right, am I going to win? Or it's safe, but... And, um, you know, this critical evaluation of how much risk do I need to take? And I'm, I've written it down there just so that we all think about it really carefully. I am not talking about safety risk. That's a a bracket right down here. I'm talking about competitive risk. So 
um, if we ever get into a point where we're trading our competitive risk for our safety risks and time to stop flying, um, we're talking about a, a really high level of route selection, trying to be in the right place, getting our timing right. And that skill, which I practice almost every weekend, every time I fly, is something that I use almost every day I'm at work, almost every time I'm doing work. And in fact, to the point where uh, recently I've changed jobs from being a program manager into risk management. And I think that's largely based on me discussing risk in a way that I think is based largely back to gliding. Um, I think that's me. It is. Back to you, Steve. Now, I would say thank you to uh, Brian. I do say thank you. But last year, um, I also had a baby. Um, and I put my terrible performance at various competitions I flew down to the fact that I was getting no sleep whatsoever. Brian then comes along and wins the last competition of the year with a similar age baby, so that went out the window, so uh, um, don't thank you for that. Um, I've also just put a few of my, uh, my friends who've uh, um, gone in different directions after being junior pilots. Um, it's, uh, it's a, I could pick another 20 or 30 that have got similar CVs to that, but um, there's some in incredible pilots there, with, and they're, um, I tend to have to not look at their Facebook pages too much because just seeing Nick Smith, my friend there, who flies F-16s, I think they're F-16s off uh, um, carriers for the US Navy, etc. It's just thinking, oh, I'm sat here in a grey suit doing valuations for affordable housing. So it's, it's a great way. It's a fantastic start to a career. Um, and, uh, and I actually met a Fandy last night who's at the bottom there, who uh, um, a senior air crash investigator, so he gets to uh, see it, not when it's not quite so much fun, but he's, uh, again... The, the ways people, the paths that these young pilots have gone in, it's, uh, it's been incredible. So, just to round it off, um, the future, where do we see it going? Um, we've had some great success in various things that we have done so far. I'm really pleased to be part of the group um, on a BGA scale, on a junior gliding scale, and just with my friends, um, just to see how juniors have, the junior nationals have, and the Juniors in general have really kind of come forward, and um, but it's standing still is uh, going backwards, as they say. And so, what we're going to be trying to push in the future is linking with other organisations, and that is on all levels. So I'm hoping to build military links. Um, I'm hoping to build links uh, with various um, aviation partners, whether it's um, commercial airlines or whether it's, for instance, the iFly scheme. Getting other parts of aviation to, and um, engineering to see how important um, gliding can be as a way of grabbing the people who are really keen and keeping them flying in a cheap way and also kind of shaping them for the future, whether it be their flying skill or whether it be um, their men mental ability or whatever it may be. Also going to be encouraging more people to help out, encouraging mentors. The hardest thing we've got is getting people to, um, getting news to them. The Facebook feed is great and the YouTube channels and the emails and the, but the mentors are a great one actually picking the phone up and going I've not seen you down at this place are you going to come to the next event or whatever it may be um, so that's something that we're really working on hard to try and get people who actually trust to put that message across and that ties in with educating clubs a lot of clubs uh, sit there oh no these young people you know they've, they've got plenty of money they don't need us to help them it's not true we've uh, you know some young people do have 
spare cash a lot of them don't and we've really got to educate clubs that you know they may not be the future for your club they might go to university elsewhere but so that said that elsewhere club that's near that university they might graduate and join your club so it, it swings and roundabouts and we really hope that we can lose this sort of oh got to keep our juniors to ourselves we don't lose them and really help the whole gliding community um more events um you know i say we don't want to flood the market but on the other hand you know we um we've uh, there are various aviation days that we're really trying to get young people to come and actually man stands um we uh, Freddie again and Pete at the front here, they're actually putting together, um, they're going to Riyadh and they're going to the Red Bull Air Races and they're going to have a stand for young pilots to come and talk to them and, say, you know, and see other young people showcasing our sport. And um, I think that's the best way of getting people in. Um, and that leads on with Duke of Edinburgh schools, universities, again, just getting the message out there, it's a great way. One of the final slides then is one that I picked up from the Sailplane and Gliding mag magazine a year or so back. Um, Unfortunately, the overall numbers at the top are dropping slightly in gliding. People are getting older, drifting away from the sport, whatever it may be. So it's coincided with the recession, etc. The one up arrow at the moment, one, one uh, um, figure that's going up is the juniors, um, which I hope is a really sustainable. Um, hopefully, it'll, um, they, that that will eventually stop the big the purple line at the top um, dropping, and we can start pushing that up um, just by bringing more and more young pilots who want to stay on. Um, and I'll conclude with a, a couple of minute video that, um, again, the juniors have put together for me. And I thank them. Um, I think it was a um, Amy Joe who put this one together, who's from Portmoat. She's put this video out of her own time. Um, and uh, I, it's just a little bit more about what junior gliding means to them.
And there we go. Thank you very much. Um, you'll see at the bottom there, there's our, um, uh, our various links to our social media and the website. And finally, I did get asked by the junior team. Um, the juniors are going off, the, junior, uh, the British junior team are going off to Lithuania for the Junior World Championships in um, uh, July, I think that is. Um, they've got a Just Giving page, a crowdfunding page. Um, so if you are there looking just to help kind of fund their travel over there, um, the bottom link there, if you go to that, uh, any any donations would be extremely well. They'd, they'd be very pleased to get them. So uh, it would help them hopefully retain the world championship and hopefully win the other class as well. So uh, that's it. Thank you so much. I, I do appreciate you coming along. Um, and uh, yes, I thank you to everyone. So cheers. Mm, maybe they didn't arrive. I don't, I, I'll, so just speak loud. Let's speak loud. It'll be fine. We'll be okay. Well, that's, uh, so that was um, a question with regard to getting flying, um, scouts flying at various gliding clubs. Um,
if you have a chat with me afterwards, there's a, um, the CFI at Hudson's Bosworth Gliding Club is huge into air scouts. But really, you know, he, he, he's organised some, there's a national scout thing up in Lincolnshire, and he's taking a group, there's thousands of scouts meeting at one place, I don't know what it is, but he's taking a big group of them to the local gliding club, and they're doing a special deal. I can't. I, I don't know what which gliding club you're dealing with, but um, certainly myself or Pete Stratton, who's just sat in front of you, would be. Um, I'm sure we can talk to you afterwards about what exactly you want. And hmm. I agree. I would love to see everyone giving a, a go at gliding. Um, I can't talk for Chalet themselves or um, the other clubs. Each club is a, a business themselves. They they have to run it how they feel. Um, we can only advise. Um, and but um, perhaps. Yeah, we'll we'll have a chat afterwards about that. Yes, uh, so. Uh, was there an, I saw another, yes, hello. Uh, Tony G, um, long-time glider pilot, 50-odd years. Um, long time, yes, indeed. Um, I haven't seen much change in the minority female participation. I didn't look at your numbers, but I think in all sectors, gliding clubs, airline, transport flying, military, it remains stubbornly something like 5 to 8%. I have a feeling that there were more when I started but I may be wrong there, I don't have the numbers, but why is it that all of these efforts, there still is no increase in participation from the XX chromosome? Well, um, I would hope in that last video um, that I just put up, the first thing I noticed from that video was the lack of anyone over 30 in those videos. The entire airfield was just run by the young, the junior pilots. And was all, the second thing was, um, of all the junior pilots we've got, I don't know the exact figures, but at the various winter series events we run and the junior national championships, it's about between 25 and 30%, I'd say, are girls now. Um, it's not right. I, it, it, and we're, we're doing our best. And what I've... It's, it's very difficult not to stereotype, but what we've... It's, it's difficult. Your stereotypical girl on a cold, wet airfield with just a load of blokes around isn't necessarily what 14-, 15-year-old girls want to be doing. So what we've tried to do is make it so inclusive for... You're not a girl, you're not a boy, you're just coming along to fly. And the social side of it and the integration is far more in line with what we think young people in general, whether boys or girls, want to do, whether it's making GoPro videos. Every single junior has a GoPro, has an iPhone, they've got GoPro sticks and they're videoing everything and flying has become so much more than just sitting on a cold wet airfield and I think that we're doing our best I, and there's a Women Glide initiative um, and who are just targeting the girls, well, they're, they're targeting girls, keeping them in the sport um, and making it hopefully that it's, it's not just for the lads as well. Um, and they, they seem to be doing a, you know, they're, they're certainly getting the message out there. I don't know the latest figures. Um, the figures I put up earlier on that, they were from 2014. Um, so I, I, I'm, Pete may have some better updated figures, but that's just the slide I remember. But we are doing our best, and I'm trying my hardest to integrate more girls involved, to get them involved. 
Well, more, more power to Elle, though. I, I was the beneficiary of um, the minority. I found myself invited, for some reason, to have an hour on a Boeing 737-400 simulator, and I found it was two protégés of my, uh, whom I trained who had arranged this plot. No. Um, and it was a very interesting experience, totally different than if I'd, I'm sure, if I had males doing it. Mm. Very positive. Oh, we're, we're, we're doing our best, and um, that's, that's the aim. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And uh, I've I've seen um, what Rob does at, at Husband's Bosworth, and it's you know it's a fantastic to see the you know lads and, and the girls doing it. So yeah. Hello, Pete. Um, so I've seen what you've done with junior gliding since you first started in 2012, when you first did the branding and redeveloped everything in 2012. Where do you see it, it expanding in the future? Uh, maybe five years onwards, what would you like to see happening or have happened by then? Oh, it's just um, make, making sure that the, the juniors that are coming through now take over from people like myself who are running out of you know, hours in the day, kind of looking after little ones and that sort of thing, getting them to run it and to succession planning. That's the a realistic target for us. Obviously, we want as many young people to start flying, whether it's from the scouts or whether it's uh, whichever group. We'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to see airlines starting to sponsor people through their training in the same way they sponsor, they spend hundreds of thousands sponsoring a person through to become an airline pilot. Tiny amount compared to that. You, they, the airlines could get involved really early on and say, actually, you're really keen, you're a good pilot, you've passed your tests, etc. great, you're 16, tell you what, let's send you solo in a glider and then you can come on our training scheme at wherever they train. Um, so that would be a... Um, but we'll, we shall see where that goes. Um, we've just got to keep plugging away. There's, there's plenty more um, work that we can do before we kind of max out our efforts. So, uh, but, yeah, I hope just to build the numbers. I don't know whether you've noticed that uh, EasyJet, of course, have got the Amy Johnson Scholarship, yep. and they are actively encouraging female pilots, which is a very good thing indeed, because the statistics on private pilots shows that the ladies are three times safer than the men. So the day I've got two EasyJet uh, pilots in the front, captain and first officer, a female, I'll be very, very happy indeed. Hello, John Brady. Um, uh, my first flight in the glider was in the Air Scouts glider, Sedberg at Lasham in 1961. Uh, and I've been in other sorts of aviation. But I'm interested in whether what you are talking here can read across in any way into powered aviation because I've been involved with the Light Aircraft Association and with an organisation that gives flying scholarships and so on. And we seem to be able to capture young people and encourage them to um, take a pilot's licence. And then most of them then fade away and they don't come back until they're about 50. And they've got spare money and they've paid the mortgage off and they can go flying again. And we seem to have this great hole in the middle. But you're doing something that's actually not actually the aviation. You're doing all the, the social stuff. Can that read across into powered flying, do you think? Certainly. That, the whole point of this, that our, we do, I'm obviously into my gliding, but what I've found is that some people just don't want to, we get 
young people do who just want to do power flying. And some of my iFly scholars, uh, beneficiaries, they've done a bit of gliding. It's, it's just they want to do the power. That's what they want to do. Um, and hopefully, please, you know, please email me um, or kind of if you leave or if Pete can give me your details, I can tell you, show you what has worked. But it's you, the utiliser. I, I, I don't like social media personally. I don't take pictures of my breakfast or something, um, and because my friends aren't interested in it, and I'm not interested in their breakfast. But what it does do, it means that if you've got money is a big thing if there's scholarships available there's events that people can actually use for their their life so they can go to a, a weekend event where they can take the other half you know, my wife comes along brian's wife brought the baby up to uh, um some godforsaken place in shropshire and poor poor little baby <laughs> it was freezing but um no it was a uh, and we're trying to encourage families along to make a weekend of it and yes it is still at the airfield and you'll never get past the fact that it is hard work sometimes to take your husband or your wife or your baby whichever whoever it is your whole family along to these places but that's what we're trying to encourage so we can keep hold of them and we will lose people it's as I say, we're fighting against gravity, and gravity usually wins. Um, so it, it's a cost to get off the ground and stay off the ground. Um, but cheap things like events, you know, getting the fly-ins and that sort of thing, just at times when maybe in the autumn or the spring when there isn't those beautiful long days, but actually a, a fly-in somewhere, um, a, a, I know Leicester Airport do the breakfast club and that sort of thing. And that's all I can really say you can do. You can, in the end, create these... Um, um, events and uh, um, the social media, and hopefully that will that will keep some of them. That's what we found. We're keeping young people engaged. So um, I, I hope that answers the question a little bit, at least. Doesn't solve the problem. Doesn't solve the problem, but well, I hope it does solve the problem a little bit by um, making sure that people miss miss it when they go. It's not just a one-off. Oh, I've done my PPL, and uh, it's making sure that when they've done their PPL, they create friends in and around that, and that group of friends, they don't want to then drop out of. They, that's, and that's how we're really pushing it. And you, I say you can't force friendships, and you can't force people to do stuff, but if you, if you, you lead them down that route, and um, so that's, that's how we've tried. Oh, I think just adding, because I work cl quite closely with Poznan Junior Development Team, I think adding to your point and your point on the Air Scouts, trying to get young people engaged within the gliding clubs, I think one of the big things and most important things we can do is to get them involved in not just the flying, but also the ground elements. Um, so when I was younger, when I started at 14, I think one of the biggest things, as well as gliding, was also being able to drive a Land Rover. Now, like at 14, that's really cool. So if you can go to an airfield and experience the gliding, hooking on cables, running wings, cleaning gliders, polishing, and when you're, when you're there, not only do you get to learn how to fly, but you also get a back seat in a geodiscus. You get to fly in the back of other gliders from more experienced members, and so the knowledge then trickles down. And I think if you get the young people involved within the actual club, so getting them being a winch driver, getting them, you know, that sort of thing, I think they are m much more likely to come and stay at that club and also then move their skills to other clubs and really benefit the gliding community. Well, there we go, I think that's it. Um, uh, well, can I ask uh, Howard to run? Yeah. Right, well, it, <coughs> it falls to me as a, a gliding member of the Aero Society um, General Aviation Group to, to thank um, Steve and his team uh, for what I think is a, a fascinating presentation.
Um, as you can see, I'm of the same ilk as Tony G. I've been doing it for years. And um, for most of those years, we always sort of recognised amongst ourselves that gliding was a, a bit of a fringe activity and, and quite an individual thing um, that we felt we needed to do for some reason best known to ourselves. I think Steve and his team have demonstrated to us that it doesn't actually have to be like that. Um, you can build a community out of what is originally seen to be a, a rather individual sport. And uh, I think that uh, the, some of the examples that you cast there have clearly do have good read across into, in, into other sports. Um, the questioning about the age profile of sport aviation and how we protect it is, is, is a very um, important um, and probably the, bit, the most important aspect of faces gliding and all other forms of sport aviation. Um, what I think that has impressed me about the current junior gliding initiatives is the readiness and the speed with which recipients of gliding assistance suddenly turn themselves at an age of, I don't know what it is, 26 is it? Oh, you tell me. Um, suddenly turn themselves around and plough themselves back into the other side of the operation. Um, I haven't been very closely associated with junior gliding, but I, the, all of the people that I've had to deal with have always had this, I'm a junior, now I've stopped being a junior, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to help juniors. And I think that that trend has to read across into this huge age profile problem that, that John alludes to. Um, if people continue this engagement and continue um, the self-help that goes into junior gliding, I'm sure that the very important area, that sort of 26 onwards side, we will see more people staying with sport aviation. And in that respect, I think what's going on here is probably the most important thing that's going on in sport aviation at the moment. So thank you very much to Steve and his team. Oh, yes, I very much also enjoyed Brian's input in terms of how gliding assists your mental activity in the sort of activities that he and indeed I was involved with in my career. Um, I think that's also a very important point and one that needs to be taken across into younger people in gliding. Sorry, digression there, but I think it's important. So thank you very much to the, to the entire team. I very much enjoyed it and I hope you and the audience have also done so. From across the globe, from the centre of aerospace, and now to you. Thank you for downloading. Visit www.aerosociety.com to download more from this series and other multimedia content from the Royal Aeronautical Society. If you enjoyed this content, please consider showing your support for the Society. Share a link to this presentation by email or on your favourite social networks. If you have an interest in aerospace, consider the professional and personal benefits of membership. Visit www.aerosociety.com. This content is provided subject to our website and digital media terms of use. Please visit www.aerosociety.com for more information.